Begin transmission. Hello, everybody. It's Chris, aka Star Raptor, here with Outer Room Transmission 106. Tonight, we are talking all about Visions Volume 2, all nine of the epic animated shorts from countries all over the world. How's it going, Ben? Good, good. Just, uh, you know, just always looking forward to talking Star Wars every week on Fridays. Oh, heck yeah. I mean, this is, this is our Friday nights, always here. On the channel, we are a little bit late. Things have been getting crazy with life, uh, birthdays, uh, communions, and everything else in between. So I'm trying to get back to a regular strict schedule of 9 p.m. But hey, if you're watching live, sometimes we're a little bit late. So eventually we'll get there. Eventually we'll get there. Just even debating, okay, maybe we should just pre-record. But no, we're doing this thing live, darn it. You can chat in the comment section there. And, well, you can always leave us an email at utterintransmission at gmail.com, or you can always just leave us a comment on our Twitter socials, wherever we are found at any time. Of course, we are in the 21st century here, of course. All right, so Milton would like to be with us, but he is currently busy, so we are just going to talk about Visions. He'll give us uh, his full thoughts. He gave us his in initial impressions last week, so you can go back to last week's episode and, and listen to that. Um, but for now, we're going to kind of just go through a chronological order and, and crank these things out because, I mean, we're, I would hate to be on a time schedule, but we only have so much time and we want to talk about all of them tonight. So we are going to devote as much as we can to each one of these. And I will say, starting off with the first one, this one started off with a bang for me. Um, when it comes to Elgiri Studios, Sith. I love this one. I mean, this is a way you start off. Like, we had the duel from uh, Visions Volume 1 that was very much like, this is a showcase. This is going to be something that stands out. And immediately, the painting aesthetic came to mind. I was like, wow, this is very bold. Um, what would you think about the art style, Ben? Oh, yeah, the art style was definitely, um, you know, it didn't throw me off in a bad way, you know, but it threw me off in a, like, whoa, that's interesting, like, an interesting, like, creative choice, that's for sure. Um, so, like, that was my, like, big initial reaction as soon as we got into the episode. And, uh, like you said, it was a good start to, like, kick off this new season of Visions um, to, like, you know, really get things going, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So, this one was developed by a studio in Spain, El Giri Studios. And... I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of experience with any of these studios that we're going to be talking about tonight whatsoever. But something that stood out to me is it has sort of like a animatrix kind of feel. I think Milton was mentioning it last week where it's like that early 2000s kind of like lo-fi grade CGI where it was like not exactly detailed and it was more or less like a flat kind of CGI look. But as the longer we got into it, the more I really enjoyed it, especially as we got outside of the building. We started seeing the Sith Lord and the droids and the more of the action flowing through. I really started to just get drawn into it, you know? Oh, yeah. Once, once like, we got into the episode, just seeing, like, the flow, like, the action, I thought I thought it was a, it was really good. Like, like, like you were saying, like, to me, I think unlike any of the other episodes of this entire season, like this was one of the most like visually interesting ones just because of that whole art style. And like you said, for me and maybe a lot of our other listeners, 
you know, I don't have much experience, if any at all, with any of these studios for this this entire season. So it's just it's it's a nice surprise, like seeing like their style and like their spin on Star Wars and how they even do anime, considering like you know, like I said, we don't have experience with their these studios. Chris, you're muted. We're kind of we're kind of late again. So yeah, thanks for joining us, Dark and Rianzo. Uh, a little late, but but now than never, right? So um, things I liked about this one specifically is getting a chance to see a different side of the Force and seeing how the Force could be depicted in this creators in the creators' eyes as as art, as artwork, and seeing the power of the Force. Through that lens, I, what I really like about the High Republic is that we are getting to understand, and everybody views the Force differently. Some people view it as wind, some people view it as the tide, like Elzar Manu, the tide, the waves coming in, flowing, you know, greater in strength and, and a little bit more lighter, and, and things like that. Like, so I was depicted like this is how she sees the Force is through the paintings, and I thought that was very creative. Oh yeah, it's it's definitely cool and like like you said, it it did kind of give me like I'm not like the most informed High Republic person. I can definitely say that, but you know, based on what I know about it, it definitely made me think of the High Republic and was like, oh, I could envision this story, you know, like taking place in the High Republic era, like you know, because of you know her using like the Force through art and you know versus its normal just like traditional role, say the Jedi or Sith would use it in. Mm-hmm. 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 I love the addition of the droid. I think the droid was a really neat droid that kind of reminded me of BB-8, where you have this spherical rolling droid that turns into like a kind of like a crab or kind of like a spider. It was uh, it's very interesting. Oh yeah, like, well, um, that droid was interesting, and like you said, it's cool just seeing to me, um, like with Star Wars as a whole whether it be like this show, the movies, the shows, whatever, games. I think one of the highlights of Star Wars in general, I mean, heck, going clear back to 1977, is or are, are the droids. Like, you know, like that's always like an interesting factor for Star Wars fans because, you know, it kind of like sparks that imagination of like, ooh, that's a cool droid or ooh, that's a cool like thing. You know, it's like, you know, it's like futuristic. It's just, um, you know, I feel like that's always been one of the biggest charms like for me anyways with star wars i think the big charms for me are like of course you have like the whole mystique of the force it's like the force then the aliens and then the droids like those are my like three like probably most intriguing star wars things that have always captivated me so anytime like i see a new iteration of a droid it's always it's always just really cool like checking it out you know yeah, that's you're right. That's the, one of the identities of Star Wars. You have the the battle between an Empire and a Sith, or the Empire and the Republic. You got the Jedi and a Sith. You got the Force, and you got droids. Like, and you got space battles. You got space battles. That's uh, something that you gotta have all the time. But yeah, overall, I loved the idea at the end of this house. She's kind of a great Jedi. I know that's a loaded term out there in the fandom. People are like, oh, you know, if you're the great Jedi's don't exist or anything. Say what you will, but the f the fact that somebody's skirting between the light and the dark, the idea that this character was a Sith originally, 
And then the Sith came back for her and they're like, yeah, we need you now and whatever. And she's like, got that saber and, and the way it just ignited and had two different kind of colors. We never seen that before in Star Wars. So that in its own right was really neat. But just the entire philosophy behind having an allegiance to both sides, having the balance of the force in all respects right there on show. Oh, yeah, I thought that was a really cool aspect. I wasn't expecting that either. So that was like a nice surprise. And like you said, it did. It really symbolized like the balance in the force, the balance inside of her when it comes to, you know, her use of the force. So it was a it was a cool like spin on it, um, I guess I would say, to, uh, you know, to really like captivate this episode. Yes. Yeah, so do you have any other things you would like to, to add about this last this first episode here? Um, not really. I think I think to me the highlight, of course, like the story was cool, the droids cool, lightsaber, etc. That was all cool. But I think for me the highlight of the episode for sure is just like the style of it, like the artistic style of it. I thought was done really well, and uh, you know, like I said, it was unlike many of these other episodes we've seen in this season or even in the last season. So like for me, that was like the biggest standout of this episode. Oh yeah, for sure. Next up. We have Screechers Reach by Cartoon Saloon. This has come to us from the creators over there in Ireland. This is pretty much like Milton explained last week. It's it's very much a ghost story. Um, but it has a lot of culture, a lot of history, because it does bring back the Industrial Revolution aspects of that. The kids in, like, in a workhouse are just driven to the bone, and they, they have to have the escape, and they have escapism and adventure, and... What do you think about the animation? I think that's the way we'll open up with every one of these uh, because obviously that's like the big thing on point here is the reason why part of the reason is all the animation is not different. It's not just anime. This is CG. This is almost like stop motion at certain points. Like, so what was your take on this 2D type of animation? Yeah, for me, um, I thought this animation was was done really well. It really reminded me of... um... I don't know it just reminded me like i could see that like that is like the perfect example of like an anime animation anime style that you would see sometimes like on some of those cartoon network anime shows yeah. like at one one o'clock in the morning like to me i could like i could have just slotted in this episode at like 1 30 in the morning on cartoon network and you know it would it would have been just fine because like it just has that and it just has that vibe like i don't know why it just it it, it got my attention because of that like it instantly made me think of like you know back when i was younger watching those anime shows at 12 30 at night on cartoon network yeah. on the weekend or whatever like that's that's like the vibe it gave me like i was oh. it really made me think of those type of shows from um, back in the day yeah i've never been a cartoon network guy um that's yep. why i didn't watch clone wars right away but i always was a nickelodeon nick at night kind of guy so can't can't empathize with it there on that one but what i will say is this story was pretty gripping at the end and milton was talking about this how he thought this was out of the ones he had seen the one that deserves like the most of a follow-up to a certain degree and i could see that just the idea that this this girl was so dead set on getting out of her lifestyle that she would forfeit her friends to just try to make a better life for herself, even though if she was maybe making a deal with the devil, because, I mean, I would assume that that character is sort of like a Sith character, but 
if at that entire journey was like, whoa, what is this like Sith witch thing? It, this wow, what, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, um, spoilers. I think this was my favorite episode of the entire oh. season this season. Um, but yeah, I love this episode. Like for me, it was like perfect. The animation style, the the story, like you said, the kids going from working, industrial revolution vibes to wanting adventure. Because like adventure is always a classic Star Wars trope. Like you know, the heroes wanting to go on into adventure, they did that, and then they had to they had to face a conflict of dealing with this uh, Sith character. You know, like I just thought it was done. S- in such a good good way like and then of course like her the um the lead having to make you know the decision like like you said it's kind of like the deal with the devil because that literally was like a a sith character and in my estimation that was a sith character that did not come off as a jedi so like it definitely is like a more probably bad side leading character so it was it was a really really good episode to me and like initially when they were like in like that cave area um like it had really like it did it had kind of like scary vibes to it you know like i thought it was just done really well now just imagine when i was watching that my thing with that was i was like man i would have loved to seen that in live action like that entire short in live action because that would have been really really cool because it would have been so creepy and just like i don't know i i I feel like that would have been a perfectly translated live action episode um if they would have done that This is that dark Sithy stuff that's going on uh, with what we see in Rise of Skywalker, like the stuff with with the Emperor's clone and all that. I, I for me, for me, it was good, but I admit there's ones I like even more in this batch of nine episodes. Um, the next one, I gotta say, I really enjoyed this next one here, brought to us by Punk Robot. This is in the stars from the Chile animation studio and for me this was really neat because this is classic people versus the empire and the idea of these two sisters they are like the last of their kind the empires come in and they've taken a valuable resource they've taken water the very thing we live off they've taken water from these people um so to see the animation was probably the most cutting edge i would say or maybe not the best word like the most unique because it's like almost like kind of gave me like clone wars vibes but kind of gave me claymation vibes at the same time but then you're looking into frames per second of the characters themselves look like they're they're going slow motion sometimes and then the overall world is like that dystopian kind of like i don't know punk kind of uh uh blade runner-esque like uh dystopian uh cyberpunk sort of looking thing so i thought it was like from a design standpoint from the animation the movements just the combat the violence i was like dude this is awesome what were your thoughts on this one? Oh yeah well like you said for starters the visuals of it really reminded me like you said it was kind of like blade runner dystopian um almost like even I think the movie is called Equilibrium with Christian Bale. That It's kind of like those type of like dystopian vibes. Um, but uh, but yeah, I got those kind of vibes from it, for starters. 
And then, like you said, the action, um, it's just classic, like, Empire, and, uh, you know, I got the good guys, and I just thought, yeah, I thought this was one of the better ones. I have this listed, like, because I went, when I was going through the episodes, I was rating them just out of five after each one, and I have this one listed as a four out of five. I oh. thought it was, I, yeah, I thought it was very good, um, and... And yeah, I just I just thought it was done really well, and it it captures your attention like the 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 style captures your attention, and like you said, it has that almost Clone Wars esque feel to it, um, mm-hmm. which is always an attractive aesthetic I think for especially for Star Wars fans. Like you know who knows maybe about like some random person watching it, but like for Star Wars fans, I think that aesthetic really works for us. Like you could have mm-hmm. a whole series in that aesthetic, and people like it. Oh yeah, I mean, look at look at Bad Batch is a spawn of Clone Wars, and we see how popular that show is. So that yep. that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, going over some other things that I specifically like is uh, the emotional overtones, uh, family, and, and, and the Force, the Force Awakening in somebody like that was cool. Like when the characters falling off the edge, falling off the cliff and it's just reaching out with the force. Like that was one of those moments like you see in the Force Awakens with Rey just calling to Luke's saber away from Kylo and he's going, "Huh?" So, yep. classic cliffhanger like cheer at the screen moments of somebody uh becoming a hero in that moment. Yeah, that that was one of my that was probably of course, you know. I mean, that's one of the highlights of the episode, but or the highlight, but like I would say like that was probably my favorite because, like you said, it's that Force Awakens vibe that, um, you know, the classic, like, the Force, you know, the, um, the hero getting the Force. Like, like that whole, you know, that whole trope fits in Star Wars. So, like, it's just cool getting to see that done in a unique way in this episode. Like, I really, I really liked how they did that because, you know, you could generically introduce the Force there's a million ways you could generically introduce the force, but it's cool that they did it in that fashion. I would say. Mm-hmm. One short that didn't have any force that I could see is "I Am Your Mother," and this is the one out of the UK from Art Studios. This is all about another big aspect that George Lucas loved to insert in his movies, including Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and that is racing. So this one is all about. Uh, the races, we have Wedge Antilles, and I believe they said Han- New Hannah City, which would actually be on um, either Chandrilla or on Hosnian Prime. I think they're on Chandrilla, though, which is actually Mon Mothma's home planet. Not that this is all storyline, but it's cool to see it anyway. But I like this storyline. This is I'm telling you, I, I, you know, going too far ahead, I like this season more than I liked season one. Because I feel like more of these stories hit for me consistently than they did in season volume one of, of Visions. From a storytelling perspective. I'm not really talking about art. But from a storytelling perspective, again, another big thing in Star Wars is the familial relationship. And they went above and beyond because they had a mother-daughter. We don't really get that in Star Wars ever, right? It's always it's always father and son, father and son all the time, right? Um, or actually, no, it was father and daughter in Rogue One. So they switched the, they flipped the switch on us on that one. I could find other examples in some of the TV series, but in the main movies, that's basically it. So I appreciated that the studio did that. These are the people that did Wallace and Gromit, so it does look like that kind of. What would you classify that as? That kind of animation, Ben? 
Um, I'm not sure. Like, it was definitely a unique animation style, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that would be classified as specifically. Like, I, I'm, I'm not the best at like naming the exact animation styles, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was just unique, I would say. But, but, uh, ah. but yeah, like, like you said, with the whole basis of the episode, though, like. For one, you know, I mean, heck, George Lucas has said it plenty of times, like, Star Wars, there's so many fathers and sons, fathers and sons, like, even fathers and sons, like, the tropes, like, not even from characters that are, like, bloodline related, like, you know, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, yeah. father and son, Obi-Wan and Anakin, oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. you know, that sort of thing is all through Star Wars, so it was cool getting, like you said, the mother-daughter thing, I mean, heck, it was, the only real mother- Thing, mother-daughter thing we got was Padme and Leia for like five seconds and then huh. we got I mean and the only other mother was Shmi with Anakin so like oh yeah you know so it was so it was cool getting that that aspect um and then like you said the whole like racing it, it's always interesting to see whenever they incorporate racing into Star Wars just because like you said it's it like goes back to the old George Lucas like stuff so like there's inspiration I'm sure from there um and yeah like for me i think this was uh a solid episode it wasn't my it definitely wasn't okay. my like favorite favorite ones but i think it was solid i think it was i think it was entertaining like i think the good thing is with most of these episodes they're like at a baseline entertaining i would say like like my, my comparison to these um both of these seasons i like this was my like overarching view of season one and season two i think season two is more representative of star wars clone wars where it's like clone wars mm. has clone wars has like a solid you can turn on any episode of clone wars and every episode will at least be like a b or higher like it's solid throughout like you know and i think that's what this season is like it's solid throughout it has some good moments it has some not great but it's still just solid overall and I would say, like, Vision Season 1, though, is more like Star Wars Rebels, where you have a lot of high moments, like, where you have, like, you know, the the um, Night of the Apprentice or whatever it is. Like, you know, you have all these high moments, but you do have some really low moments, like Lando mm -hmm. and his puffer pigs. And I think that's what Vision Season 1 is. Vision Season 1 is more Rebels-esque, where you have really high moments, but also some, like, wacky stuff that's like, eh, I don't know about that. So, like, that's how I kind of view, like, like, this episode, though, is more like just the Clone Wars, just the B-level episode. I think it's solid. I think it's fine. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, what I liked about this one as well is because we get everything about teenage angst uh, in this one. It's like the daughter just doesn't think that the, the, the mother, she doesn't want anything to do with the mother because she's like kind of annoyed by her. And then you see, like, the the rich people looking down and then her friend it's like oh my gosh like all this all this angst in in even this one moment which i didn't get right away but the the creators had to put underwear in space because there's this whole quote from leia or from from carrie fisher with with um george lucas like something about a brawl or something about underwear or something like that and and what she was wearing in a new hope he's like well, yeah, that underwear doesn't exist in Star Wars. So literally, they had bras and like panties falling from their junk ship as it landed. I thought that was a nice little touch. 
that's funny. That's a funny little um a little addition right there. I I noticed that as well too. Um, and like you said, it's just it's funny. It goes back to that whole Lucas quote about there's no underwear in space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Dark and Nerdy Gonzo saying it was a Star Weaver poster hanging in a Twilight ship. Uh, Max Rebo, Daw, Porg, and Bantha figures. What's Star Weaver? I. Um, Dark Nerdy Gonsum might have to tell us that because I am honestly not sure. I'm not familiar with that term at all. Alright, well, he'll get, a, he'll get us the answer in a few moments, I'm sure. Moving on into the next one here. We have Journey to the Darkhead by Mir Studios. This is the Korean studio. And this is the one that I will say it was my least favorite. I equate this one to the twins from volume one for me i was just like okay power levels kind of insane it just seems like such an abstract story that lacks detail for me that i just didn't know what was happening and i just felt discombobulated i didn't like this story i it, it's like okay we're cutting off the head of this statue and this guy is in this guy's dreams and he's suddenly there then they're severing this bridge and then they're happily ever after and i mean yeah sure some of the combat look cool lightsabers the way they are lit and animated were certainly awesome but i don't know something about the story just seemed like there wasn't enough there and it just kind of seemed okay and i mean there's certain aspects like i liked seeing the the jedi council at this time whenever this was but i'm trying to get to the heart of it to like get to the story that links to lucasfilm and star wars and it just seemed like without a better word, like a generic, like, good versus evil story that didn't really have any depth to it for me. Yeah, like, for me, I really enjoyed the episode. Um, on my, like, little scorecard, I gave it I gave it a 3.5 out of 5. Um, just because, like, I thought... I thought it was... See, but, you, you know, like, me and Milton, we're, we like a lot of this, like, over-the-top, like, anime style, like, this sort of stuff. Like, I really... Just from a pure entertainment perspective... I really enjoyed it. Like, entertainment-wise, I think it's like a 4.5, 5 out of 5 entertainment. Visually, like, just the action, etc. But then, like, the story, like you said, I, I admit, like, I got to the end of the episode and I was like, I honestly don't know what I just watched. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I really did. Like, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Like, the action and stuff and just the, the, the way they did things. But then I got to the end of it. Like you said, you got, like, statues with the heads and, like, all this stuff. And I'm just like... I don't, I really don't know what it was. I don't know what it was intended to be about. Like, what yeah. What was the title again, Chris? Uh, Journey to the Dark Head. See, I don't, because I don't even know what that would even, maybe, I, I don't know. I can't even, like, really extrapolate, like, the story, yeah. just because it was, like you said, it was just kind of all over the board. And it was just, like, it, it was a lot of visual noise. Like, to me, that was like watching Transformers. Like, it was just a lot of visual noise. Oh, I understand a connection. I got a connection to to the Star Wars saga, and the connection is prophecy. We see this come up time and time again in the prequels, The Chosen One. Qui-Gon oh, is yeah. convinced, and I like the fact that they had, like, the rain was creating this image of something that'll happen eventually. We don't know how it's going to happen, but this said thing is going to happen in the future, and this character, this pilot character was able to find out that it was her so that makes sense yeah and prophecy is always like around for star wars so like you know that makes sense 
Oh, I had a feeling that's what this is. We got our answer. What Star Reaver is the band from Tatooine Rhapsody from Volume One of Star oh, Wars that's, Visions. That's really cool. Okay, that's, that's a a cool actually deep cut. That's a really really cool deep cut. We'll have to tell Milton about that one. I did, I did not know. I'm gonna have to watch that again. I've only watched most of these one time. One that I've yeah. watched multiple times. Spoiler alert! I'm gonna really like this one. Is the Spy Dancer? This one was awesome. This is. Oh, I did not. I did not get the name of the studio. This is the only one I didn't jot down. Do you know the name of the studio? They're the French studio. I'll look it I, up I, as we're talking. Um, yeah, I know it's the French studio. But yes, go ahead. Give us give us your thoughts on this one while I look that up. So for me, I thought this one was was um, very very good as well. Just because it, it was one of my favorite. Just because, like you said, we have like the Empire. We have um, like I just thought it was done in such a cool fashion. Just because you know, like like the story for one was intriguing. The the visuals, the animation style was was really good. It was on point. It wasn't like jarring or anything. It wasn't anything too creative like to say the first episode it was just on point animation um the characters like you have the imperial character you have the uh, the lead girl um and it's cool to see like i i think i think for me anyways when it comes to like this episode it's really cool to see like how tight of storytelling you know they can tell in just like whatever it was like 16 minutes i think like so i thought that was um one of the best aspects of this episode and you know the fact that like you know like the um the lead the girl like she get like they get all they get busted by the empire like i don't know it just it was a nice like star wars like star wars story i guess i would say yeah i'm still looking up the name but as i continue to look for it um this one was a number of things it was again the mother mother-son uh, you know mother-child relationship in star wars it was that empire versus rebel relationship and it was that big oh crap twist moment sort of thing that we had in empire strikes back uh let's see is it called dart studios no wait uh no studio la cachette studio studio la cachette is the, is the studio name for this one um yeah, so so I, I love the idea that we got this this idea again, just like the Irish one, getting a glimpse into what it was like in World War Two, I believe. They said this during the, the the panel you could watch on StarWars.com for celebration. They had the Visions Volume Two panel, and the, all the creators for all nine shorts were there, which was really cool. And I think they were saying like, this is what happened in the war. Like you would have spot like french spies that were like you know, occupied by the germans or something and then they would go and they would like infiltrate and get information by help by like serving them and stuff like that i thought that was a really unique take on star wars because when you think about it it's like yeah you know the stormtroopers were literally there's literally things called stormtroopers in world war ii like this is what george lucas was pulling from so to kind of get to that heart of it with like calling back to the history is is a really awesome way to kind of enhance and enrich star wars if you ask me oh yeah for sure well for me um you know i'm not like the the biggest fan of andor um this is this is an episode of the show of the visions i could see that i could see like this 
like this is a storyline I could see like popping up in an Andor type show though, you know? Like I could see I could easily see um yep. you know, like the Empire characters um like the the lead guy from like Deidre and her pe- her her people like I could see him and her like these guys being out somewhere because they're they're real people too like don't get me wrong you know they're the bad guys but they have to go out to restaurants or they have to go out to bars or wherever yeah. they eat and chill too so I could easily see like these like the Andor characters like do, I could see this playing out in Andor like that this is when I watched this episode like the episode was great and everything like it was it was really entertaining it was um like you said it brought back so many of those different vibes and tropes from star wars but like when i got done watching it i knew that you would like this one i literally joked to my cousin because we had watched it we, we were watching these episodes together and i joked to him and was like i bet chris is gonna really like this episode because it reminds me of something that would be an andor yeah like for instance like the first sequence of andor when he goes to yep. that 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 brothel, for lack of a better term, and he he talks to that woman, it's like, yeah, she's basically information. Like, like I could see somebody like that being a rebel yep. spy or imperial spy, vice versa. But yeah, it, it, just the idea of the elegance of it, and believe it, the artwork. I mean, I th- there there's a. Uh, uh, Elsa Chiertier, I think is her name. She's a famous comic book writer or comic book artist. And she has um, comics that look just like this artwork. I mean, I, I guess it's like kind of the French, like national kind of sort of artwork that they generally do. Where it's like the very thick ink lines, like the stormtroopers, like blotted ink. Like it just, it got, it has its own like old-timey style like it looks like the style from like the 40s or the 50s or something that's like preserved in time like a very old type of animation and and even that the the beautiful nature of the spy dancer as she was dropping from the reaches of the of the ceiling there and like the 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 flowiness of the robe and the way she's fighting with it just like grabbing stormtroopers and throwing them down the way that the guy had a dark saber like there was a lot of really cool moments I loved in this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I thought the um I thought that was a great moment. And it, it's great like the fact that these studios aren't shy about like using like things like stormtroopers and, and even the, the Darksaber at that. So um so yeah I thought that was that was a really cool aspect to the episode. Yeah, and they this got pretty dark, you know, the Empire taking kids away from newborn kids away from mothers, like that's really effing dark and you know, spoiler alert, I hope by now if you've listened or you watched like you have watched these episodes because that's all we're talking about on this episode. It's just a big reveal at the end that's her son and, and even though like her son is working for this evil regime, like she still has hope. It's it's her son and she stirs like a little bit in him and if we were to have a second episode i think we're going to see that guy's redemption and just the, the no matter how old somebody becomes how how set in their ways it, it's the mother it's the father that can ultimately like sway somebody or vice versa it's the kids as we see in return of the jedi luke is ultimately able to save his father because it's the bloodline it's you, Deep down, you have feelings for that person, and they'll pull you out of whatever rut you're in. So I love that kind of sense of salvation and redemption, even though we don't 
entirely see it, but I could assume it's gonna happen. It should happen. Oh yeah, and you know that's like always one of the running themes of Star Wars as a franchise is, you know, redemption is always like the biggest theme. I mean, look from the sequels with Kylo Ren to to Vader in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have that running theme. Um, so it's cool seeing that like carried over into this into this episode. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So it's one of my favorites. One of my favorites so far. And getting into the next one, another great one from 88 Pictures, The Bandits of Golak from India. This is the closest animation we have seen to Clone Wars. I want to know more about 88 Pictures because these guys look like they've worked on Star Wars before or something. Because it looks just like it could be an offshoot of the Clone Wars, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought this episode... This episode, along with the one we talked about earlier, I thought um, was really Clone Wars vibe, but this was for sure the most Mm -hmm. Clone Wars feel of any episode because, like you said, maybe they they worked on, maybe not Clone Wars, but maybe, you know, something else related in the past, like another animated project, or they, maybe they got inspiration from Clone Wars, you know, for for that animation style or, you know, anything, really. So, Mm -hmm. like, it was definitely cool getting to see... um, to see that style, you know, continuing along in, in the Star Wars franchise. All right. So getting back to the overall story of the Bandits of Golak. So let's try this again. So what was your overall thoughts of the story of <laughs> the Bandits of Golak? Round three. Um, all right. So overall, I think the story was was fine. It's like like for me, when it comes to these episodes as a whole really it's just you know can you are they rewatchable for one and for two can you show someone an episode and they enjoy it and like be like continue to the series and for me i think this episode checks off both of those boxes like it's entertaining enough you could show people this and still get the point across for like the series as a whole so i think in that regard it does its job but like I said before, when I was comparing my Clone Wars and Rebels analogy, like to me, this is just another one of those just solid visions episodes. Solid visions episode, but I got to give it extra credit for bringing in Purge Troopers and Inquisitors. That, as yep. somebody who just played through Jedi Survivor and thought it was the best Star Wars game ever made, I just was losing it. Like, oh my gosh, there's a Purge Trooper on the screen. Oh my gosh. I was watching it with my girlfriend. I was like, Look at how cool that is. Look at how cool that is. And and it was like, all right, settle down. You know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool when they imp- they introduce, like, or they drop in some, some characters that from something we, we all know and love there. Um, but I just love the train sequence. It reminded me a lot of Indiana Jones, right? You got these characters, yep. these rebels riding on these horses. It was a really good set action piece. And... It was pretty violent. At one point, some guy just got, like, sniped in the head point blank, just, like, executed, like, going, trying to get up onto the train. I was like, damn, this thing is really no... It was cool seeing the stormtroopers, like, patrolling the train. Again, it reminded me of Jedi Fallen Order, because in the beginning of that game, Cal is being, like, questioned by stormtroopers on that train on Braca. So, very much, like, a lot of vibes I was feeling there. Oh, yeah. Like, like you said, the, um... For one, you know, it, it did. It had like an Indiana Jones vibe to it. That's for sure. Like when I was, you know, when I was watching it, it really, it felt like it with that sequence. And then, um, 
you know, like I said, the violence, that's one thing that's a constant in anime as a whole. It's like most animes, unless they like intentionally do it, most animes don't scale back or like they don't shy away from violent moments. So like you said, the guy getting like sniped out like that, like that is like an example of, you know, anime, um, like anime style shows doing their thing. Like that's, that's a, that's a consistent type thing you'd see in an anime. So, um, so that was cool. And then, uh, yeah, it just it just was really good. It was entertaining, in my opinion. Like, like it's just a good, good entertaining sequence. And then, of course, like the cool part about visions, in my opinion, is you know they can include the ancillary characters like the Inquisitors, like the Purge Troopers. Um, you know, you can include those type of characters, and you know they're nice little just callbacks to hard to to Star Wars fans. Versus, like, you know, you don't have to bring in um, Darth Vader or something. Like, you know, you can just bring in, like, the ancillary characters, like the Purge Troopers, like the Stormtroopers, like the Inquisitors, and still get people's attention because those are familiar, like, visuals for Star Wars fans. Like, you, like, connect to it and you're like, ooh, let me check this out more. Or let me, like, lock in and, like, really focus. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially as we'll get in as I recap kind of, like, the overall thoughts on Visions Volume 2 here. Uh, it does very much capture those notions, but what I liked a lot about this, it reminded me of Attack of the Clones, right? Reminded me of the character of Yoda because, you know, the, the, the characters are in peril. Who's going to save them? What's going to happen? It's not this young Jedi. It's this very old, wizened uh, woman, uh, woman that is part of the village and part of the tribe, and she just completely kicks this guy's ass. It's like, this is like Dooku and Yoda from Attack of the Clones. And I love how they brought that back. It's just like, no matter how diminutive, no matter how small, how frail you can be, you could still be powerful with the Force. The Force is, an, is my ally, right? And I am one with the Force. The Force is with me. All that. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like, that aspect of it was, was, was great. Like, and... Uh... You know, like you said, it felt kind of like the the Dooku Yoda fight, even the um, like the Vader Obi Wan fight to a degree until Obi Wan got killed. You know, just you know, seeing like the older, wiser character fighting presumably like the younger character, like you know, it just uh, it it was a really cool sequence. Oh yeah, and moving on to the next one here. We have The Pit from LFL and D-Art Shatryo. Uh, this is Lucasfilm in partner with a Japanese studio. And this one is, we talked a lot about history. We talked a lot about things in the past. This one is a direct reflection on recent history with the Black Lives Matter protest all around the United States. And this kind of drives the message home. You got terrible working conditions for these people. They're being driven to the bone. And now, you know, it's like, whoa, okay, what can you do in Star Wars that doesn't require violence? So I love that aspect. I love the idea that they're, they're talking about Kyber. They give you like a solo-esque introduction, which none of the other ones do in this. It sets up the story, sets up where you're going, and gives you an idea of like, oh, this is interesting. The Kyber was bled by the Sith, and now they have to turn it back to the light. And you have this different characters, and there's a main city, and the stormtroopers are just like completely 
tyrannical and just like the jackboot jackboot thugs of the yesteryear and all that sort of thing and, and and yeah this was this was a very evocative very forward type of story what'd you think of this one yeah i thought this was a very good episode as a whole like you said because of for starters the the intro to it like having like the the little description thing and all that i thought that was a really interesting uh part of the episode just because at first when i when that came on i must have like glanced down at my phone in between episodes and you know it just auto played and i had to make sure i was still on visions because i was like wait it, did it like click over to something else because you know it, was, it had the description up um but i thought that was a really cool way to like set the tone to give us more of a like an overall feel and like inform us more of what's going on you know because it they're working with the the allotted like the seven you know 17 18 19 minutes whatever it is runtime they have to deal with so it's cool that they give us that for like a little more context on the location and then as for like the um like the overall like the real world implications like you know like you said the connections to like the black lives matter movement and like the other real world stuff like i thought that was cool just because like you know that that calls back to like you know george lucas like you know talking about like the political and social situations of like real life um you know so in his in his stories and the way he told things like you know famously like the whole indoor stuff is like real symbolic of vietnam so like mm-hmm. it's cool just getting like that aspect of symbolism in star wars again to real world recent things that have gone on and then overall like you said like just like seeing like some of like the everyday stuff with like the everyday people i thought was was really cool and then of course like you know you get like like you said like the tyrannical stormtroopers like doing their thing because you know that's presumably how they would be in you know across the galaxy potentially like because they are the bad guys oh um apparently i i messed up with the narration of uh the kyber crystal that's in the next one sorry my bad oh See, I, 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 okay i was gonna say i i literally i was gonna actually say chris i i was about to say i was like i think i think the intro was in the next one but then you you kind of convinced me it was this one so that's why <laughs> <laughs> but like i okay so okay lucas i don't know like I think that should have been better edited or at least have those episodes separated. Why would you put two episodes with Kyber crystals right next to one another? Like that doesn't make sense. Cause now people are probably, I'm probably not the only one that's confusing those two. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, oh so pretty cool. I mean, the animation straight up anime, straight up anime looks really good. Really crisp. Um, yep. It was neat seeing that character at the end with the kyber crystal there. Um, and speaking of Al's song, that is the, or Owie's, I can't really pronounce it correctly. That one is from Trigger Fish. And this one, this one doesn't, okay, so this is the one that I, another one I don't really enjoy that much. Um, this one, first off, I uh, the animation just threw me off I, I straight up don't like the animation it doesn't it doesn't appeal to me it looks like it's like ragdolls talking weird it's like the thing has a flat face but then it's got a snout and but i mean the world itself what i will say is like the animation of the environments was some of the most vibrant some of the most lush stuff i've seen 
out of any of these. It looked amazing, but the overall character design, I was like, I could, I couldn't care less about the character design. Yeah, I can agree with you. Like, like this wasn't definitely wasn't one of my most favorite episodes. It just, uh, like you said, the character design was was strange, and I just, I don't know, I didn't like, I didn't love it. I definitely didn't love it. I could yeah. say like, like this was just one of those episodes where I got through and was like. I don't know if that hit very well. Yeah, and well, we'll get we'll, we'll talk more about the specific episode, but it's like it seems like Visions always ends with a downer. <laughs> like like the last one of Volume One was like something we all agreed we didn't like. Most people nope. out there from what I seen didn't really like that one, and I haven't seen anybody talking about this one. So <laughs> it's it's like okay, we're saving the worst for last. Maybe I I don't know. We're starting off with bangers, and then it just kind of fizzles out at the end. <laughs> but I mean, it's like okay. The only thing I can equate with Star Wars, I mean, obviously you have Force users, but this one had to do with the with the crystals, and just like the first one, I guess for a certain degree, it comes around full circle. Where like the first one, you can see the character her her looking at the Force as artwork, but now this character and this one is looking at it as as the song, which is kind of funny because that's taken right out of that. Well, I don't know if it's taken from uh, embellished on, but Avar Chris, who is the marshal of Starlight Beacon in phase one of the High Republic, her whole idea of the force is like a song. So that is, that's cool. But like the way she's in this specific, this character in our song, um, able to sing and then that the, the crystals are reacting they're all red crystals and they're starting to get angry and the earth is quaking and different things and i thought that was a cool element oh yeah for sure like i think the best element of this episode was that sequence like her singing and like the uh the crystals like bleeding and stuff like i thought that was really cool just because to my knowledge i don't think we really seen like someone like technically bleed a crystal um visually like in terms of any of the shows or move any especially not the movies but in terms of the shows i don't think so it was kind of cool getting like that aspect of it um put out there in, in that way like it was put out there in a unique way so yeah i thought that was that was a really cool touch to this episode Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but yeah i i'm Maybe Milton will have more to say about this one, but like, I don't know. I, I I really have nothing. I mean, the the one character Jedi that they were helping get the crystal, she looked cool at least. Kind of reminded me of Embo with the hat. Oh yeah, like well, see, this is my thing with this episode. Like, I don't know. I just I wish they would have flipped this episode in the Spy Dancer episode to end the season that way. Because that would have been, I think, much better in terms. Oh of, yeah, like in terms just... of, mm-hmm. in terms of just like momentum, you know, because like you know, we we've had like season one ended where it was kind of just like okay, that was the ending, and then we end season two and it's like okay, that was the ending. So it's like I wish they would kind of like reorder the episodes a little more or or look into that a little more potentially. Um, maybe for season three, if they do a season three, um, maybe just just like. Maybe pay attention to the episode order a little a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure they have a rhyme and reason, but I just don't think it's hitting with the mass public the way they, they, way they expect it. And we are such a small sample size. I mean, there's 
probably millions of people that haven't voiced their opinions that have watched these, obviously, and, and maybe they can think of a completely different thing. But to wrap up the overall discussion of Visions Volume 2, uh, just the impact, just how I overall enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I watched it a little bit differently this time. The first volume I watched uh, in one sitting on the day it came out. I happened to be on vacation that day, and I was like, oh, perfect. I'm going to sit there and watch all three in a row, or all nine in a row, sorry. This one, I watched like two in one night, and the next day I watched maybe four, then the day after I watched another couple. So it was more of like, okay, let me take it in and, in a batch at a time, kind of simmer on it for a little bit. And and I was up on it, as you guys seen in the, in the messages. I was like, oh, yeah, Milton was right. This is, this is pretty awesome in the beginning, those first couple. And it kept me wanting to watch more because they were so good, front-loaded really good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like... Like this season, this season I think as a whole, like I mentioned before, I think it's it's a good solid season. Like you said, we we enjoyed it. It's fine. It has it has a lot of fine to it. I think, but some of the really good moments are really really good. Like the first episode, the second episode, um, I believe it was the fifth episode, uh, and then there was another one. But like you know, four. I I would say at least four of the episodes are all really good, and then the rest of them are probably just fine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's uh, something that I what I like about this the most thing most most of the things here um, is that we are getting those hard hitting um, Star Wars kind of themes in this. And I, I don't know where I got this from, who I heard this from, but the, the coolest thing about this is all, it's like you strip away the canon, you strip away the timeline stuff, which is obviously so big for me. That's what I do mainly on this channel is talking about canon books and, and video games and all that sort of thing. But you strip all that away. What is what is the, the, the deep heart of Star Wars? What are the big themes of Star Wars? And... Every one of these except the last one, and if I dig harder, I could probably find a theme for Al's song in there or whatever. But all these really hit on those big messages that George Lucas was introducing and, and really hammered home multiple times. So that I was I think this season was more consistent and it had like this season might have had more layers to it than the very first volume as far as the majority of these shorts were concerned. They they hit me harder as far as oh I see what they did there. It's and, and the anime so so from that perspective, I, I gotta give it right there for that. Oh yeah, for for sure. For me, I think, you know, now that I'm thinking about it a little more, I think the episodes I like this season. So okay, for me, Star Wars Visions, I think the best episode overall out of both seasons is the Ninth Jedi. I think that's the quintessential visions episode i think that's the best one and it's like clear cut mm -hmm. and then i think the next like if you would be ranking them the next best few episodes would probably be come from this season i would say or at least two, at least two or three of them would probably come from this season yeah i would say you know if you're out of the top five episodes probably two of them were from last season and probably three are this season like i think i think there's more episodes that go into that top tier ranking of visions episodes than last season but for me i think the ninth jedi still hits the best but um but yeah i mean overall like entertainment wise and like stuff that i really enjoyed and what i really 
uh, reacted to and really hit with me the best. I think the second episode of this season is my second favorite Visions episode, just because I don't know, it just was it was entertaining. It it had those Star Wars tropes and it was kind of creepy and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just I just really love that one. Yeah, I when it comes down to it. I understand why they introduced the Japanese having their entire volume of Visions for Volume 1 because, say what you will, I think George Lucas got most of his inspiration for Space Wizards and Samurai from Japan. So it's cool to have seen Volume 1 pay so much homage to the Far East and getting all those cool spiritual significance but there's so much other great studios out there in the world that have their own designs, that have their own ideas. So I love how Volume 2 traveled around the world, South America, you know, you had Europe, you had South, you had Africa, you had Asia, right? You had like majority of the continents, all these major countries had their time to shine from all these different regions of the world. And they all brought their such distinct animation whether it be 2d cgi a little bit of the both and for me i like the variety i like the sheer amount of variety where it's like everything was anime for for volume one so if you weren't a fan of anime like i've seen a lot of people that i know are just like hey i'm not really a big fan of anime so i'm not gonna i didn't really enjoy this um whereas i can recommend this and be like hey well there's plenty of other animation styles and maybe uh, maybe you introduce get introduced to animation in general by watching this i don't know maybe watch this and say hey i like star wars animation oh there's this thing called the clone wars i heard about maybe i should start watching that and next thing you know it could be this could be an entrance point for a lot of people for star wars you know oh yeah for sure like like you know they might just stumble upon this second season and get watching it and be like oh this is interesting and like you know, then get into the other Star Wars properties that are on Disney Plus for, like, animation and, you know, just go down the rabbit hole of, you know, getting into Star Wars. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I can't really give Visions a score out of 10 because it's just impossible when you have nine different shorts. But I will say I recommend it. I give it my recommendation. Visions, to me, is a... A series that is an interesting watch for me because I took notes. Yes, I took notes on this. I had certain little bullet points I wanted to cover in each one of the shorts generally, but it wasn't something where I was waiting on the edge of my seat, baiting, you know, bated breath, like, oh gosh, like I got to know this connection. Like it's more like oh, I can sit back and just enjoy for the storytelling and for the animation, not plot points and, and points on a timeline. So I, I like from that angle just getting to enjoy it and sitting back and, and react oh yeah for sure i can i can echo your same sentiments like i think entertaining it's it's uh enjoyable you know i'd recommend it as well like you said it's it's a little too hard to rate and you know my like i said my biggest comparison was this season is more like clone wars where it's like a constant b and then Season one is more like Rebels, where you have a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And, you know, that's how I would kind of, like, surmise both of these seasons. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Aaron Daly, I think I've enjoyed this season more than the first one. I really enjoyed seeing how each studio from around the world put their style and influences from their culture into each episode. Yeah, it's exactly uh, my sentiment as well. 
uh, th- th- this was awesome. This was something that I want to go back to. And as I was watching Volume One, I was like, or Volume Two, I was like, I want to go back and watch Volume One again now. Like this is just neat ideas just seeing brought to the screen and, and, and the, the influence of these people. Um, so there, yeah, I mean. Yes, so Darkner, you guys are saying I was going to say I would like to see Season 3 be Japan-focused again, and if we get to Season 4, have it be international again. Yeah, and if we get Season 3 to be Japan-focused, like they better have the Ninth Jedi again, because oh, that yeah. was awesome. And I was hoping when they announced that there was a Japanese studio that this would be like the continuation of that, but that's okay. We can get there eventually. There's so many resources at Lucasfilm and so many... You know things spinning over there that eventually I'm. Uh, th- we'll get there. Maybe maybe before I die, hey. we'll see that continue. Hey, I don't... hey may- maybe maybe they just go and announce like, hey, we're gonna just give that studio a mini season, like six episodes about the ninth, like continuing that ninth Jedi story. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, just seeing complete spinoffs out of Visions yeah. and then having like Visions as the title, be like Star Wars Visions. The Ninth Jedi or Star yep. Wars Visions, um, Screechers Reach or something like that. And because the, these these could be considered all backdoor pilots to mini seasons, yep. you know, if you think about it. Yeah, the way they start, they can either end or begin something the way they go. You could take it up to your imagination or they could literally paint the picture for us. Yeah. Oh, there's so many options they could do with this. I'm I'm excited to see where they go. I really am. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And we're excited to see and hear what you guys have to say about volumes, uh, uh, about Visions Volume 2. Yeah, so let us know in the comment section. Let us know there on the interwebs, on Twitter. You can follow Ben at RealBenMater, me at Chris at StarRaptor, and Milton at MiltonWeber7. Uh, ben, what can the people see you talking about on Twitter this week? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably this weekend you'll see me posting about the my favorite clone Wars series um i had some people message me and be like what that's your favorite but my favorite clone Wars series by genny tartakoski um i'm gonna be watching that probably over this weekend and in the coming days just because i was like man i haven't watched that in a while and then i saw an interview actually with gendy um we we mm. had we had missed our opening like this week in star wars but for my week in star wars i actually uh I actually saw Gendy got interviewed by like a uh, one of the one of the bigger like animation. I think it was Nerdist actually. But anyways, he got interviewed and like he it was like fan submitted questions to Gendy like you know all about his anime stuff. And there was a segment in there he talked for like a minute or two minutes straight about him animating Anakin and like the way Anakin mm. moved in the Clone Wars series and like the background, the ships, like just everything. And uh, it was cool just hearing him like talk about the animation style and stuff and the, what they did with star Wars. So that kind of like got me in the mood and I'm like, I'm going to watch that uh, series again, because like I said, that's my favorite star Wars clone Wars series. I love it so much. So uh, I'll be watching that over the coming days. And then I'm just going to be continuing to uh, work on my fitness stuff and pretty much until next Friday. <laughs> yeah. You'll be podcast. You'll be just, I'll be playing Jedi Survivor. I'm, I'm still trying to unlock like every collectible in the game. My whole di- idea is I'm going to collect every collectible in the game. I'm going to have like every skill point basically unlocked in every tree. And then I'm going to re-roll new game plus, put it on maybe a higher difficulty. 
and then just worry about playing through the story again at a harder difficulty and using maybe the cross guard stance and the double bladed stance because right now I'm solely working on the dual bladed stance as well as the blaster stance. So I've gotten pretty good at those, but I'm ready to throw it in the ring to relearn a different kind of technique. So yeah, I'm getting pretty overpowered in my Jedi Knight playthrough, so I think I might have to jump up the, the, the level up a little bit. And uh, But yeah, uh, that's where I am. I'm currently running around Jedi, trying not to get killed by giant scorpion things. So there you go. Nice. Sounds like a good way to spend your weekend. That and becoming a Star Wars historian as I'm slowly working my way through the Star Wars Timelines book. I currently am in... Uh, year 21 BBY, and if you're wondering what the heck is he talking about, that's basically smack dab in the middle of the Clone Wars. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm working my way through that book, and it is basically the most hardcore Star Wars reference book you'll ever see. I'll be talking about it on the channel. Um, I'll be reviewing it as I eventually get through it. It's a very thick, very heavy book. So I don't expect that anytime soon, but my idea is like it's like studying for a test. Like I'll, I'll do like three or four pages a day until ever it takes me to get through. I might spend like a good hour or two tomorrow after work since I'll have a large window of time. But it's been something I've been like, it's literally a coffee table book. Like I've been going eating breakfast and then I have the book open next to me as I'm eating my cereal. Just like, ooh, let's, what's the malevolence? Ooh, you know, Grievous had this in 21 BBY, you know, stuff like that. Nope. Oh yeah, that's that's a really cool book. Um, like you said, it's it's a cool reference book, and uh, you know I might end up picking that up myself actually, just because it's it's cool that you know you get to see the whole timeline, you get all kinds of little tidbits and facts that you know you may not may have not have heard about. So like that's that's pretty neat. Um, See, so yeah, I'm actually gonna look into that book as well. Yeah, and then actually to throw out there too, um, another little tidbit from my. I guess weekend in Star Wars at this point um, will be tomorrow. I get my next Audible credit, so I'm going to get the second Thrawn book, the oh. um, Dark Force Dark Force Rising audiobook, because they have the they they did the Thrawn trilogy, the original trilogy from yep. the 90s. They they uh, did the 20th anniversary edition, mm -hmm. so you know it's fully you know Mark Thompson yep. doing all the stuff and like it's it's great. So I get my next Audible credit tomorrow and. I'm going to be starting Dark Force Rising probably tomorrow when I work out. Yeah, uh, one of the people I work I work at work with at work is like, yeah, I'm, I'm I just read through all the Thrawn trilogy recently, and I feel like I'm getting spoiled for the Mandalorian. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly why I haven't started reading those again because I'm like, I kind of want to yeah. have uh, ignorance is bliss going into Ahsoka and whenever the movie is like. I yeah. don't want to know the storylines too heavily in the back of my mind because I'm going to be critical of how Mando well, goes, and I just want to experience it like how it is in the show right now. <laughs> well, you see, that's that's the thing. Um, that's the thing about the Thrawn trilogy is so like like Dave, for example. I mean, I mean, heck, we might talk about the Dave stuff next week, but like Dave did an interview with Empire Online, and he's taking like heavy influence from the Thrawn trilogy for all Whoa. of this Mando universe stuff. Like he literally talked about how like, um, he used, I mean, he literally used the word continuity basically. Like, like he's view like he, he, you know, transitioning like that Thrawn trilogy kind of into this Mando stuff and his movie. And like, so, you know, getting that sort of vibe. And then Dave basically like confirmed like, 
Thrawn is a straight up villain, like how he was in the Heir to the Empire trilogy. Like yeah. he's like he's taking that iteration of Thrawn basically and making like the Heir to the Empire Thrawn is probably like kind of the version we're gonna be getting in live action by the sounds of it. So like, you know, me listening to these Thrawn trilogy books, like I love them, they're classics, but you know, like you said, you heard one of your friends say, like, it does kind of feel like it is spoiling certain aspects to things in the Mandoverse because it's like I can see where Filoni and Fat Filoni especially, mm-hmm. you know, I can see where they're getting inspiration from mm-hmm. those books. And you know, we've said it from day one when it, when they first mentioned Thrawn in season two, like they're rough adapting this trilogy into this all of this stuff, and and like that's exactly the vibes I'm getting. Like I can see so many of these characters, like like from the first book, like you know, there's a character that reminds me a lot of um, Grief Cargo, for example. Oh, is that Talon like, Card? Yep, Talon Card. Yep, I was gonna say Talon Talon Card. That's like that is grief cargo to oh, a team, basically. Okay. Like I could I could see I could see so many of these aspects flipped around and um yeah, just it just it makes you it makes you wonder where they're heading with all of this stuff. Yeah. That's for sure. Um and it's just like you know, like I said, well, I don't know how I don't know how much Man, we might be getting spoiled a lot lit reading this this original Thrawn these original Thrawn books. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I I know they have the re-release of uh, what is it uh, Dawn of the Jedi coming out, so I'm very curious to see if uh, if the director pulls a lot from those books and those early comic books uh, twenty five thousand years in the past. So we'll see, we'll see. I have a feeling that's going to yeah. be a lot looser than it is when it comes to Filoni pulling from. Because from what I hear, Dawn of the Jedi is one of the worst Star Wars EU books. I'm gonna just read. I don't it even. A, I don't even remember it much. Like like people said, it was horrible because it was supposed to tie into the comic books, and then they never ended up continuing the comic books. So it just kind of like floundered. And then I think it was one of the last things that came. Well, the reason why is like I think it came out in 2014 or 2013. So it was like like literally like that was one of the last things. Until the wipe of the legends, so they're like, "Nope, we're not doing any more in the past because we have to revamp everything." And I think just the way that they weren't able to finish the story also left a sour taste in people's mouths. Yeah, I, I honestly don't even remember that that book. Yeah. Oh, speaking of books, I have my review of Path of Vengeance on the channel right now. It's the last book in Phase Two of the High Republic. I will say that Phase Two of the High Republic finished very strong. I was not a very big a fan of wave one of phase two it was like pretty slow for me but then wave two picked up the slack and really drove the characters into very interesting situations uh that led to some really cool resolvement um resolving moments there at the end of it nice well it was a little bit of a shorter one, but we did get a little bit late of a start. We're going to have Milton with us back next week. He'll give us his first, uh, his, his final thoughts on Visions Volume 2 as well. And we're going to see if anything else comes out of Lucasfilm. Whether it does or not, we will be here same place a little bit earlier at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube.com slash Raptor. We're also available on any podcast streaming network of your choice. So go ahead Give us a download, and if it's on any platform that has an option to rate us, such as Spotify, please go ahead and give us five stars. It'll allow us to be more visible 
to our audiences out there that want to listen to a cool Star Wars podcast. Well, for Dark Nerdy Gonzo, for Aaron Daly, for Ben, for Milton, for I, Chris, aka Star Raptor, this was Outer Ramp Transmission number 106. Thanks for watching. May the Force be with you always. End transmission. Have a good night, everybody.